This is where we uncover the simple traditions that successful business owners are doing every day to build a successful home life while still taking the lead in their business. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard, and today we are going to be talking everything mental illness and suicide and how to wrap your head around as a parent when you're dealing with it yourself, if your kids have it. And we have the perfect guest here with us today. Her name is Mikkel Buck. She is a suicide survivor, and she's a public speaker and an author. She knows what it's like to really put yourself out there into the world while still balancing everything with your kiddos and with the world that you have to navigate from day-to-day basis. So welcome, Mikkel. Please tell us more about your mission and what you do and your amazing podcast that you have too. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be on. Um, So I've lived with mental illness for over 20 years, and it was really, really hard in the beginning trying to figure out how to navigate it. And I got a lot of great professional advice and had great professionals on my team. But as far as application in my own life and parenting at the time, I had small children and it, it was difficult. And I realized that if I had had somebody who lived with it for a long length of time successfully, it would have saved me so many years of really shortening my learning curve. And that's really what my podcast is designed to do is this is practical application. This is how it's really worked for me in real life. My husband and I do it together. It's called Thriving with Mental Illness, and we're just starting our fourth season. So the the whole premise of the podcast is there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. So we really will answer pretty much anything. A lot of the stuff is just life experience that my husband and I answer together. Sometimes we need more professional perspective on some of the topics that listeners will submit. And so we'll bring in, we've had really great professionals, all kinds of psychiatrists and psychologists and people dealing with addiction and We really have been fortunate as far as that goes. We've had people on the national level talking about suicide hotlines and and different resources available. So we've been really lucky on that front. But the whole podcast really is just practical advice and how to live with it. And not only have I lived with it myself, I have three children and two, my two younger ones deal uh, with pretty significant mental illness issues. So I've got it on both ends and it's been real hard. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love this. I love the idea that you can thrive with it and that when you can see somebody else who's actually lived with it, that you can see the tangible ways of putting it into your life. So your podcast, I went and listened to it, everybody. It is so good. It's easy to listen to. These are heavy topics, but Mikkel puts it in a way that it's lighthearted. It's not a draining subject. It's something that you can actually absorb, take the information in and go do it in a way that you know what your next step is. So it's so good. Go listen to her podcast, Thriving with Mental Illness. It's really great. And that's the same name as her book that is, um, on Amazon, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, so go and look that up if you're wanting to know more about that. So tell us more, Mikkel, about what that's been like as a mom with kids with mental illness. How how do you recognize that when you're already like struggling with your own mental illness struggles and things that you're having to work through? And how can you make sure that you're not just projecting your own struggles onto your kids and that it's actually something they're going through? Well, in one way, I was a little bit fortunate that my own mental health issues happened. Really, the the difficult, the most difficult part of it was when my kids were a lot younger. So my suicide attempt, my oldest was only eight, and I had a five and a six-year-old. So it, it happened 
a long time ago. My kids now, my youngest just got married. My oldest just had a grandbaby. So I'm a grandma now, which is really exciting. (laughs) And my middle son is single. But when I first hit my own mental health issues, my husband and I took us a while to figure it out and get the, the right help and on the right medications and all the right resources, and then really try to figure out how to apply it. And then when my kids hit high school, it wasn't really until high school that my younger kids really hit their significant issues where it started to impact their life and impede what they were able to do. And by then we really had our sorted out. I've been stable for many, many years. Uh, I have a very happy life. I have a very happy marriage. I have a very happy family, obviously not problem free because no family is, but I just, I feel like it was so important that other people know you can have a really happy family and a happy marriage while dealing with this. They're not mutually exclusive. And I had kind of heard that message before. And that's what we really wanted to debunk is that you can have a happy family with all of these things. So because I had already been stable when my kids started going through it, my two younger kids, even though they have a similar diagnosis, it kind of manifested differently. So my daughter was always very high functioning. She's diagnosed with bipolar as well, which is my diagnosis and um, anxiety, severe anxiety. And then my son has ADD and anxiety and depression. So my daughter was always very high functioning, but she would just melt down behind the scenes. Like it was a hot mess at home, but she was always able to keep up. She did cross country and student council and AP classes and the whole nine yards. Whereas my son uh, started sleeping a lot and he wasn't even, he didn't have energy. And so he was sleeping like 16 hours a day. And we tried very hard for him to stay in school. And we tried online and we tried all sorts of alternative uh, things to help him graduate. And he was not able to. So he ended up dropping out of school, which in all honesty was terrifying as a parent. Um, my husband and I have graduate degrees. And so understanding that the thing he needed was to drop out of school was one of the scariest decisions I've ever done. But because I have a suicide attempt already and I can, I understand the weight that that is. And I just want to explain for me, a suicide attempt was never wanting to die. It was needing things to stop. And those are different things. Wanting to die is a really hard problem to solve. Needing things to stop is actually very solvable problem, but we really have to think outside the box and understand we're going to have to be creative. Things can be done differently. Um, and even if it's scary, it's it's still going to be okay. And I had an excellent psychiatrist who was very good with Sam. He's like, Sam's intelligent. He's smart. I know this is alarming right now, but this is the right thing to do. And I knew looking at Sam, we either make some of these changes, let him take a break from school, let him take a break from work, all of these things, or I was going to lose Sam. And when I put it like that, that choice is a no brainer. I mean, I pick Sam all day, every day, no questions asked. And so when I really boiled it down to that, that I need to make sure my son is okay, that it made the choice a lot easier, but I couldn't talk to other parents about it because everybody would freak out on me. And I'm like, I assure you, I understand the importance of education. I understand this looks alarming, but I also know my son and I know what suicide ideation and I know what attempted suicide looks like and this is what he looks like right now so um you know it's been five or six years and he's doing so well he is going into marine biology he's waiting to hear back from his program on whether he's accepted and he's done all of his scuba certs and diving licensing so he's doing so well and I think the thing I wish somebody would have told me 
about Sam in particular is I know it's alarming to look at this right now where he sleeps 16 hours a day and he doesn't go to school and he's not getting out of bed, but it's not forever. This is a brief time period. And so just make sure your kids are okay. And then you can figure the rest out in a minute. Ah, that's so good. And you're right. It's terrifying when these Mm -hmm. mental illnesses, it's a sickness that you can't see. And so when it's this real struggle, it's really hard to make real changes because you're like, am I just being naive? Am I going to ruin my kid's future? What's going to happen next? So I love the platform of being able to give people um, your, your life, the, what the stories that you have been able to um, pull out in your podcast and the things that you have shared with us just now. I really do think that people are much more capable than they realize, but they need stories like this. They need to realize like it's okay to make those changes. So um, my question then for you is seeing that like, so you got to such a dark spot of actually going through and trying to commit suicide. And this is something that's dear to my heart. I am a suicide survivor as well. So like this is something that I think we just need to understand and dissect more and make sure that people understand it. So what was it like for you as a kid and growing up and getting to that point, like what was the um, foundations or the or the the tipping stone that brought you to that point? Um, I had a great life growing up. I know a lot of people are kind of like, oh, did you deal with trauma? Oh, this, that. I had a great life. I really had just an idyllic childhood. I have a wonderful supportive family. So it was never anything to do with that, which was honestly a little bit confusing for me when I first started to deal with significant mental health issues. They hit me, I don't know, around 20, 21. So it wasn't anything I dealt with growing up or in high school. And it wasn't anything that I knew a family history of or anything like that. So I feel like it kind of hit me out of the blue and I didn't recognize it for a long time because I had no idea that it was something I should be looking for or what it would look like. And, and so as far as my childhood goes, I mean, I have a happy, loving, supportive family and I have all the way along, but I've not had resources to deal with the mental health crises kind of when it hit. Um, I was always used to going at a really, really fast pace and doing a lot of things at the same time. I was on the gymnastics team at BYU and I, my family was very high achieving. And I also was very high achieving, would take on a lot of things at the same time. At the time when I had my suicide attempt, we were very busy in church, in our service there. We were very busy with a young family. The kids were in activities. I was racing triathlons at the time. Um, We just had a lot on our plate and I didn't understand the concept of I had to cut back because when you're dealing with mental illness, you can feel my life is very, very full, but it is not very, very busy. And those are different things. And I didn't really understand the distinction. And after my suicide attempt, I realized I have got to rework my life or I'm not going to make it. And I will not lose my life to this. I knew that I didn't want to do that. And I was willing to make whatever changes were necessary. And we cut back in so many areas. We cut back with like kids activities. Everybody was out of activities. We cut back on our service in the church and we kind of took a time out from that for a minute. I just knew our family needed to stabilize. And then when we added things back on our plate, we had to do it in a different way so that it didn't overspend me. I I think a lot of people really understand financial budgets, right? You have a certain amount of money to spend and this costs this and that costs that. 
And something that I realized applied so much to me when dealing with my bipolar disorder is I have an energy budget. My energy budget is not as big as other people's and different things cost different amounts. Like somebody else can make a meal for someone. To me, that's like my energy budget for two days. It's so (laughs) stressful. I can't do it. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. Why can I not do this? Well, it doesn't really matter if it makes sense or not. The fact is it, it spent, it overspends me. So I really had to rethink when I want to serve in my community, when I want to reach out and support other people, can I do it in a way that doesn't overspend me? And so in that instance, I have a drawer full of chocolate bars. I have like 30 chocolate bars in there at all times and I'll drop by. I don't know, at least four or five times a week, I'll think of somebody and take a chocolate bar to their front porch. I don't cook things from home because it stresses me out. I never take meals because it stresses me out. But like, it's a very small kind of inconsequential example, but just an illustration of, is there a way for me to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, which is serve in my community and help others while not overspending myself? And that's what we really had to rethink parenting and then moving forward. And I think we were able to get a good balance, but, but again, my life is not busy and it has not been ever since the suicide attempt. Ah, that's such a good application of it because stripping away, getting into the nitty gritties of realizing like there's busy and then there's full. And right. uh, So I love to this idea of you're still serving. You still found ways to serve, but you found ways to serve within your energy budget that beautiful. And especially when like, I feel so much we can, as a culture, as neighborhoods, as society, we can see other people's efforts. And wherever we are in our own life, we, we may pick apart of like, oh, well, that's not very much. Why did they only do this? Or wow, that person really goes above and beyond when they help me out. And I think it's so beautiful with mental illness and, um, really focusing on what we can do is recognizing like when that candy bar shows up on your front door, that means there's somebody in this world that is thinking of you, that you did not choose to take your life, that you did not choose to end something, but you're still around trying. And that is such, so more, more powerful than a casserole dish on your front porch. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) so much better than to actually do what we're capable of than stressing ourselves out and continuing that cycle from house to house to house. (laughs) So thank you for that. And so what would you say is the biggest um, game changer with trying to do business, trying to work and still function with mental illness and also get your kids out the door for school. You you had to be able to do all of these steps. And like you said, this was, um, it's blinded you. It was not something you were expecting coming from a healthy background. You didn't have the tools readily available to you to know what to even do with it. So how, when you stripped everything away, how did you still function with working mental illness and kids? Um, I feel like there are two different answers to that for different stages. And so if it's okay, I'll answer it in two parts. Yes. Um, The first one is when my kids were younger and when I was coming out of that suicide attempt. And that's when I realized I have got to rethink all of this and I needed more. I cannot function on not enough sleep. I am very strict about my bedtime and my wake time. And I always have been. And right after the suicide attempt, the kids would need to get up and get out the door. And we really kind of restructured. So 
on Saturdays, I would help the kids. We would pack in the fridge, like a fruit, a vegetable and a protein. And I would just put them in Ziploc baggies. But like I said, they were little, they were five, six and eight. And we set it up where they were responsible to get themselves out the door in the morning. And in all honesty, most mornings I wasn't even up, but because The night before, we would put backpacks by the door. In the morning, they would get up and they would pack their fruit, vegetable, and protein in their own brown bag. Um, And like that was a way they were prepared. And it sounds a little bit scary. It sounds like, oh my gosh, a five and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old have to get themselves out the door by themselves. But there's been such a great silver lining for all of that. My kids are so independent and they are problem solvers. They can handle anything. Um, which makes me so proud. And again, I wasn't sure that that was the right move at the time, but I couldn't do anything else. So when I would feel good, I would just make sure to really maximize that time. And I would cook rice and bake a bunch of chicken and have things like that in the fridge. So when the days would come and I wasn't really functioning and couldn't get off the couch, hey, it was no problem because we have food in the fridge. We have healthy dinners. We have lunch ready for them to pack on their own. And it really allowed them to step up and be independent. And they like, my kids are awesome. So there's <laughs> that aspect of it, like a practical way it looked when they were younger. The second part that I feel like in answer to your question about how to work and things like that, as my kids have gotten older, I have got back into the workforce. I do real estate. I worked in an interior design firm for a while, and I realized that I just have to work around my own limitations. I can't deal with a lot of chaos and noise and something flexible like real estate is really good for me because I can do a lot when I feel good. And when I'm not feeling good, I can do less if that makes sense. And so it's a lot easier for me to navigate my kids. I kind of told you the difference between Ella and Sam, my two younger ones, when they were in high school, Ella had just a fast food job and a job at a yogurt shop where she ran all the event stands and things. And she, that totally worked for her. She can do that. Sam needed silence. He got a job spraying pest control with his earphones in and he was able, he worked like 60 hours a week. And so he was able to work, but he would never have been able to succeed in like a crazy food environment or a big event environment like Ella did because his limitations were different. And so I think when this is something we're dealing with or our kids, it's very important to understand what environments can we thrive in and what are our limitations? Not what do we want them to be, but really what are they? And is there a job or a career or a work environment that will allow us to succeed and do our very best, but not burn us out? Like that's, that's the trick. That's the only trick for managing mental illness is work within your parameters. You can't wish they weren't your parameters because they are, you just got to figure out how do I succeed with, with what I have. Uh, I definitely agree with that. That's hitting it such on the pinpoint of it all, because I think so much with mental illness and all the struggles that come along with it. Like, why can't I do this simple thing? Why won't this work? I just want it to look like this. And in reality, like you're saying, it doesn't, it it doesn't work. So figure out what's not working, strip those things away and do it in a way that works for you. I love those examples. So I really hope everybody listening here today can from your story and from the way that you uh, figured out what worked for you, what worked for your kids, that, they have that permission to do that for themselves, for their Mm -hmm. families. Like they don't have to do it 
the way other people are doing it. It's a lot of wasted energy and wasted stress. And the other thing I realized dealing with bipolar and mental illness, watching my kids deal with it, um, I can't waste my energy on things that are not productive and don't help me. I don't have enough energy to do that. And so it's actually been so good in so many ways living with this. I feel like it's made my life better. I feel like it's made my kids' lives better. I feel like it's made our relationships better. And the reason is because we've had to cut out all the extras to survive. But then when we did, I realized, wow, this is like the secret of life. I wish everybody knew this, but I don't think anybody, I, I would never have made those cuts drastically the way that we had to without having that catalyst of the suicide attempt. And now that I've lived differently, I just feel like, oh, I wish everybody could understand how wonderful it is to not be so busy, to really just be doing the things that matter and not feel guilty or worry or pressure to be doing it different because it is what it is. It is what it is. You just got to live with it. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that's one thing that I've definitely learned too from mental illness is you have to make certain changes in your life that you wouldn't have made otherwise. But it does, it can make life so much better if you're willing to embrace it and not just pretend or focus really hard, hoping it's not real. Wish it away. It doesn't really work. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally. Uh, Well, thank you, Mikkel. So before we go, I want to make sure everybody listening here can connect with you, can reach out, get your help, get your book. What is the best way for them to get your help and the things that you've learned through mental illness? Well, the biggest, the most information is on the podcast, just because we have so many episodes of it, but um, that's on pretty much every platform. It's on Apple and Spotify and, and really any, we're on 20 different platforms. So pretty much anywhere you can find it either by searching my name, Mikkel Buck, or the title, which is Thriving with Mental Illness. My title is cohesive across all of my things. So that's the title of my book, Thriving with Mental Illness, which is on Amazon. And it's really practically how to live with mental illness on a day-to-day basis. Um, and my other my other avenue is my Instagram author page, which again is thriving with mental illness. And that's where people really will send me messages and communicate. And uh, where I get topic requests is on there. And so then we take them and turn them into podcast episodes and either get our professionals on or whatever. But there's a lot of interaction I'm able to have that way. So so if you want a topic covered or if you have specific questions through Instagram and DMing is probably the best way. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Okay. So before we go, then, is there any last piece of advice that you want to give parents who are struggling right now with the mental illness world? They're trying to put all the pieces of their life back together. How can they get started without beating themselves up about it and going deeper into the hole? Yeah. Well, there's so many episodes. If there's a specific thing that's difficult for you, go find that episode because there's so many. But if I had one thing just to tell parents, it's to really understand, it's to really communicate with your kids and understand they're typically doing the very best they can. And so if we recognize how hard the weight is and do what we can to alleviate that weight, it will help our kids and give them permission to not sit and feel guilty and push too hard and, and get them to a dangerous spot. And that's the same advice for ourselves, like figure out what you need and take the weight off so that you don't put yourself in a dangerous spot because we have to be healthy as parents in order to help our kids for sure. And the best way we can do that is to make sure we're navigating weight, balance, guilt, and not wasting energy on things that aren't productive for us in our lives and don't help. 
So, and also you can do it. You guys can do it. Your killer parents, your killer uh, people. I mean, just if you're listening to these kind of things, you're trying to do better. You're looking for tools and you're going to be successful. So be patient with yourself while you're taking those steps. Thank you so much. Such good advice for in the family, for the work, for yourself, health and healing. Thank you for coming, Mikkel. And thank you everybody for listening. We will see you all next time. I am so glad that you were able to be here and discover more with us of what it means to be a successful parent. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a rate interview so that we can reach more amazing parents who are looking for ways to truly succeed with their kids too. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at WandaHoward.Live. If you're like, holy cow, this was amazing, but I have so many more questions, then send me a DM with your biggest takeaways and all of your questions. I'll be sure to take care of you. Have an amazing day, and I will see you in our next episode.